Hello, hello. This is Editing Maggie from the future. I just want to let you guys know that while this episode is funny and light, and really we don't discuss anything triggering, there is mention of sexual violence and the word rape throughout the episode because the books do deal with those issues. So again, the episode is really light, really fun, and we hope you enjoy. Forget the name of podcast. Hello, hello, this is Baked and Bookish with your host, Maggie Boyer. And Savannah Cruz. We are off to a great start. It was more that I forgot how I say the intro and I was worried that I, like, used the wrong wrong lead-in word. I see, I see. So, the hello, 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 this is. And I was just like, did I say something completely different? It was just one of those moments. Usually when I'm a guest on podcasts, I just black out whole time do you really and then yeah. you kind of like think back and you're like oh shit what did i say i have like no idea what i said like i have to go listen to it over again otherwise i have no idea what i said and i haven't even listened to that one episode i was just on of poetry for your ears and it's like doing really well in france apparently like it's popping off and um haven't listened to it yet but i also know i say some really embarrassing stuff better not to look i was gonna say should should i not but um yeah so usually I just black out so um having to like repeat an intro every time that's uh this is probably the most challenging part of this whole thing you know what it's just gonna get better from here we're gonna get more practice it's gonna be good or I'm just gonna black out more well just green out more I like the way you think I mean uh, so uh if you're new here the premise of this podcast is we get baked and talk about books. We will give spoilers. We will talk about sex. We will probably curse. <laughs> Almost definitely. Almost definitely. Probably not already. <laughs> Almost exclusively evil curse. Uh, so if you are not into these things, um, go ahead and click out now. But today we are going to be talking about two great books, Song of Achilles and Circe, both by Madeline Miller. Oh yeah. We chose these books because they were popular on TikTok. They are very popping on the book talk. And the prose is just incredible. Yeah, this was actually one of the first books we read together. It was before we even like conceptualized doing a podcast. And I had like really gotten into reading and TikTok about it at the same time. I was already into reading like as a kid, but like I had re-gotten into reading, you know? Oh yeah. The second awakening. <laughs> And um, Savannah sends me, she's like, okay, I'm going to mail you two books because you need these on your bookshelf. And so she sent me these two books and she's right They're They're good books. So, and the prose in Circe really is just like gorgeous. I mean, Song of Achilles is good. It That's the one that made me cry, but I actually like Circe better, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Today, I'm going to be lighting up a joint because I just really feel like I can see either in Song of Achilles they're like going to war and I can see them like rolling up a joint and like smoking it outside the tents or whatever by the fire pits you know and then in Circe I just can see her like rolling up a joint with some like lavender or something and just having like a chill like witchy sesh so totally totally and both of our books today are by Madeline Miller so she has a BA and an MA from Brown University in Latin and Ancient Greek Studies she has been teaching for nine years she studied at yale school of drama specializing in adapting classical tales to a modern audience which honestly i love (laughs) 
Song of Achilles was published in 2012 and was the winner of the Orange Prize, now the Women's Prize for Fiction, and a New York Times bestseller. Circe was published in 2018 and was also a New York Times bestseller, so both of them very, very, very popular. And for good reason, I think. Honestly, I would agree. Like, out of a lot of New York Times bestsellers, I would say that these are actually worthy of being New York Times bestsellers. Sorry. I am also, side note, gonna stick this joint in a bong because my lungs are weak sauce. Well, not my lungs are weak sauce, but I just don't normally smoke joints. And when I do, I, um, Hawaiian hot box. Is that what they call it? Yeah, I turn my shower on and hot box my bathroom. Great for chronic pain. Literally. So I just didn't want everybody to be confused when I said I'm going to smoke a joint and then they hear a bong rip. <laughs> understandable. Understandable. That's a common occurrence here. I, honestly, bonds are just my favorite way of smoking. Yeah. Mine too. Okay. So yes, we just get into it. Song Bikilis. Yeah, so both of these books are kind of like in the same universe, but they're not necessarily like cohesive to stories of the same characters. You have some overlap, but it's not entirely the next step. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not like exactly chronological or whatever. Exactly. But it's not even following really mainly the same characters. There's some side characters. Um, but yeah, it's in the same world. Like the the history isn't that one book impacts the other to a degree. Yes. So in Song of Achilles, we have, what is his name? Patroclus or something? Yeah. yeah. Um, we could just call him Pat because that's so a whole mouth. Dear. Yeah. So Pat is this, you know, prince. He, or dad's like a lord or a king or something. And he, um, he's kind of wimpy, kind of weak sauce. Yeah. <laughs> weak sauce. You said that twice already. I love it. Word of the day. Yeah, I was gonna say that by word of the day took the words right out of my mouth. Better than Russia. If you listen to our Animal Farm episode, uh, my word of the day was Russia. That's so funny. But yeah, Pat is out here uh, kind of being a sensitive kid. His dad doesn't really get it. He's bullied a lot. Yeah, and so he has this one bully who like comes after him and it's like trying to steal something from him. And he pushes the kid, and the kid dies. D-D-D dead. <laughs> like, imagine. Imagine somebody's trying to get your shit. You push them down, and they just did. What a life to live, Pat. So that sucks. And they find him, like, crying by the body. Am I right? Yeah, and since he was, like, he was, like, it was an accident. Instead of saying it was self-defense and he was acting all wimpy about it, he wasn't acting all, like, I did something cool and brave. Yeah, I was protecting my stuff. Yeah, he gets exiled. He wasn't going to get killed, but his dad's like, I'm going to exile your ass. And so he exiles him to this other king's land. And this king likes to take in exiled kids and orphans and things like that. Right. They, like, help out around everywhere, right? Yeah, they're basically, like, enslaved Loki. Totally, totally enslaved. And um, he's trying to make the best of it, but he's not fitting in. He doesn't fit in anywhere. He's still bullied. Relatable. Until he meets Achilles. Okay, I didn't know this was a gay romance going into this book, okay? Like, I... No idea. Dead ass had no... No idea. And all of a sudden, I see them see each other, and I'm like, sounds gay. And I was like, it's like there's a, a spark there. Um, but maybe I'm just imagining it. Let me keep reading. And then it was gay. 
I was so scared to get excited about it being gay. And I was like, please be gay. Please be gay. Please be gay. Please be gay. And so, you know, Achilles is like, you cute cat. I want you to be like, basically my, not best man, like a wedding, but like my right hand man. And is a, I'm, a, I'm a prince and I need a right hand man. Like we have these brotherly things or whatever. Um, but he didn't really use the word brotherly. No, not. Yeah. And so they're like, oh yeah, we'll put a cot in Achilles' room for Pat and like you move out of the barracks and things. They start sleeping in the same room. They get really close. And then they no, throw... They're sleeping in the same Yeah. And then they go out and they go to Chiron, who is supposed to train them. And Chiron is a centaur who lives in this, like, beautiful, like, quartz cave. Yeah. It sounds like the dopest place to go hang out. Like, I want to live in a cave and just, like, learn about the elements and how to defend myself and how to heal wounds and stuff like that. It was all really, really cool. I loved watching that slow burn kind of romance begin. Because that's when they really started to fall in love. Totally. Um, I don't they hook up out there, too? They do. Eventually, they do. It been like, a long time of them not hooking up. And eventually, Achilles is like, let me put it on you. <laughs> let me put it on you. And Pat's, like, the awkward one. And, you know, there's always an awkward one whenever you're, like, in a gay hookup. <laughs> It's very fair, especially towards the beginning. It's usually me. It's usually me as well. Oh, another thing we have in common. Makes sense why we never hooked up. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Everybody thinks we hooked up for our viewers who don't know us. It's hard because we're both hot. Yeah. Yeah. And but gay. And gay. I, I say as we're both committed to men. But anyway, they hook up and eventually leave Irons. And they leave because a war is breaking out. And this war, they're all supposed to be, like, drafted. Basically, everyone who is, like, a prince, basically, is being drafted. And that includes Pat, but everybody's kind of forgotten about Pat. Yeah, and he lost his last name, and they were like, fuck, you're, <laughs> you're obscure. <laughs> yeah, and so nobody really was coming to look for Pat, but everybody was looking for Achilles. So Achilles' mom, what's his mom's name again? Oh, I have it written down. Hold on. Listeners, these are hard names, okay? <laughs> I can't tell you how much time we spent trying to figure out how to pronounce these, so if I'm not pronouncing it right, um, kick rocks barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. Okay, fetus, which I thought was funny because I thought it sounded like fetus. I was gonna say like is it like greek teresa and then you were like fetus yeah that's about the intelligence level that we're working out with both of us i feel like that's a good reflection of how our conversations go there we go so fetus is like i'm gonna hide achilles from this draft so she sends him to an island of all women where he has to dress up as a woman but it's honestly kind of nice because he's really still very secure in his masculinity and it kind of represents to me to a degree like how clothes don't really represent like who we are inside totally yeah and i liked that it was like so representative about how like not every gay individual wants to dress up like a woman or anything like that or like stereotypically like a woman like he's just wearing clothes to get by they didn't go into any tropes or anything not that anything would have been wrong with that but it was an interesting take that i don't think that we see enough they do run really weird thing. What did they do? Oh, are you talking about the straight sex? Yeah. Oh, it was so gross. I could have done without. Yeah, it was really gross. I mean, that's like most 
straight sex, I feel like, but uh, at least it was quick. Also like straight sex. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So like Achilles is like secretly married to this girl. She's like the princess of this kingdom. Or something. something along those lines. And it's the deal for harboring Achilles as a fugitive, basically. <laughs> And uh, so Achilles has to consummate the marriage. And then he gets this girl pregnant, of course. Of course. And Pat comes in. He's, like, traveled across the whole sea to come find his man. He's tracked him down. It was so hot. Uh, like the hot. <laughs> and you say you don't simp for gold retriever, man. That's true. That's true. Oh, I can't even. But oh, <laughs> so Pat comes in and this girl is heated. Like she's jealous. Obviously, Achilles is a good looking man. She wants to lock him down. She thought that he would eventually start to like her back and he really doesn't. He's all about Pat and he ignores her. And so as kind of like a dig, she just like comes on to Pat and um, he consoles her by having sex with her. And it was... So gross. I could have done without that whole scene. They're Eskimo brothers and lovers. It's a unique combination. <laughs> it's very unique. So he goes off to war and they're fighting. And, and the war broke out because Helen of wherever, Helen is married to one of these kings. And she is kidnapped, they think, slash may have run away. She might have just wanted that dick. I don't know. Yeah. It's really, they don't really know. But it th they they think she ran away for a really long, or she was kidnapped, I mean, for a really long time. And so they start a war. And they're like, we're going to get our queen. We're going to get our mans. You said get our mans. I tried. They tried. It was a stretch, but I got it. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I had to make sure everybody else caught it. Of course, of course. Especially when you didn't laugh. Not the, huh? Is that me? Okay. <laughs> oh, my. I need to smoke some more for this. <laughs> so, basically, they're all fighting this war for her, and Achilles is kind of in this, like, power struggle with the lead guy. The lead guy, uh, what is his name? Amagamon? Yeah. Amagamon. I think that's the one that I didn't look up, but I feel like... That's right. He's super toxic. Yeah. Um, big A. Yeah. So he, they're in this like kind of like power struggle, but Achilles is just kind of like losing it. It's unraveling to a degree for him because he's just become so obsessed with fame. For a long time, it's working out. He was being a valiant warrior and everybody was like into him and stuff. But eventually he just got so toxic and it was kind of like his downfall. And so, the, you know, there's a whole like idea that he would lose everything he loves and then die. Right. There's like a prophecy. Yes. It was like the prophecy of he could either live a simple life and be forgotten and kind of leave his godhood behind or he could become fully like concrete what am i even thinking of um you know like solidified in history there he goes a solid concrete there he goes yeah i was getting there my brain was working yeah <laughs> the wheels were turning uh, it took a minute to get there but yeah he is obsessed with this idea of like fame and being known forever and like the immortality of people <laughs> saying your story like that is all very interwoven in his mindset and i gotta say pat if i were you i would have been pissed honey he could have had a nice life with you but he chose fame and you know what pat's a ride or die because he was like okay let's just ride off into our doom then 
there are a lot of characters this season, and sometimes they don't end up with this character, but there are a lot of characters this season that choose fame or revolution or, you know, something over love. And I'm not saying one is, like, better than the other. Like, I think they're, like, good for different people or whatever, but it is an ongoing theme we're seeing this season. But I think that we see Pat, like, really overcome that, like, pull and that desire, and he chooses love. And it's really sweet, because Achilles is, like, throwing everything away. And at one point, they're trying to save a, a woman from getting raped by a Magamot. And Achilles is just going to let her go just to save his pride. And Pat is like, fuck no. And he's he's a good guy. He goes and saves her. And then at some point, Achilles can't fight anymore. Why can't Achilles fight? Him and the big A are in a standoff where it's like he's refusing to fight because of the honor of having that woman taken from him. He had like kept her as kind of like they thought that she was like his bed slave but it's really like not like that at all because he's gay but it's kind of like they become friends and they become this like almost family kind of it. And Achilles was gonna save her from a Magamon's rapist tendencies by claiming her as a war prize. And is just gonna like let her not be raped by him, mm -hmm. uh, by anybody. Yeah. But then a Magamon is like, "No, nah, I'm gonna take her anyway." And so he's kind of surprised, and he's like, "I'm not gonna fight. I'm not gonna do anything." You took my shit. Like, you took my shit. I'm just going to mope. Yeah. And so Pat is like, you know what? I choose you, my love. I choose what you want. And I'm not going to let you just throw away what you want over something petty. Totally. And he dresses up as Achilles. And he goes out on the battlefield. Right. And this is one of your favorite parts. It is. It is. It's like he's channeling the love that they have so deep that they can channel each other almost. And he becomes Achilles during this. So he's fighting to save his people, to save the war, but also to save Achilles' pride, which like I would not be cool with. But it is, it is an interesting story. And he rides out and he is the one that's like getting the men back into fighting. He's rallying the troops. He dies in this process. He's throwing spears like exactly like Achilles pies the spear. He's doing an amazing job. Everybody thinks that that's Achilles because he's all dressed up. And Pat's super non-athletic guys. Like yeah. he's, like I said, weak sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up dying in this big big ride. I don't even know what to call it. It's so it's so beautiful though as he's riding out like the prose of it was just gorgeous as he's like fulfilling his dream of helping his people. He's becoming one with his love. It's so sweet and then he dies and Achilles loses his shit. Like keeps his body and like won't let anybody bury Pat and like Pat's ghost is like not happy about this by the way. Totally yeah. I'm tormented and and it's just like really sad because like yeah he just loses everything and he realizes that fame was like never worth it and then he eventually dies yes he goes out in a blaze of glory he uh attacks hector which is like the big muscular it's basically their best warrior on the other side of the Arancian. Yes, and he is the only one that can defeat him, but the prophecy is that whenever he kills Hector, he will die. And so that's exactly what happens. He's basically like, I'm going to do this 
commit suicide to be with Pat. Yes. And he gives his all and then does the war. And then my one of my favorite parts of the book is the end. They're both just kind of spirits. They're looking to come to rest. And Achilles's spirit is able to be laid to rest because he has a proper burial, which is a part of the mythology, I guess, is that you need a proper burial and you need your head, like the headstone to say your name and all this stuff. Well, there was no headstone with Pat's name on it because Thesis or Fetus, Miss Fetus, 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 Achilles' mom didn't want Pat's name on the tomb, on the mausoleum, because she didn't want Pat painting Achilles's, you know, legacy. And so even though he's like the whole reason that Achilles has a fucking legacy at this point. Totally, yes. But she's got such a big thing against him not being a god and him being a man. And so, not a god and a guy. Right. Like, obviously, how low can you get? <laughs> oh, my God. How low can you get? But uh, sits here and sits patiently with this homophobic bitch. And I know that she's, like, one of your favorite characters by the end. But it's literally only because of what she does in the end. And I'm like. Yeah, she's. Yeah, she's a bitch at the same time. Yeah. But it can be true. So she's sitting here and he's having so much patience for this homophobic bitch. And telling her his whole love story with Achilles. And it's so romantic and sweet. And then she writes his name on the tomb and lets him rest in peace with his love, Achilles, forever. Miller, you end a book so well, I feel like. It's just... She does. That was so good. What a good ending. And I am not into romance. I am not into anything like overly sappy or corny. But reading it, I'm like rolling my eyes. Yulia Savannah hate a lot on romance this season or every season. Yeah, that's just not one of my favorites. It takes a lot to wow me. But this, this wowed me. I was into it. I love the characters. I love their flaws. I love the way that they love each other and grow together and even run themselves into the ground together. It's so sweet. <laughs> I mean, I'll admit it's pretty cute and sweet. Like, <laughs> running each other into the ground is not sweet, guys. Don't, don't, well, don't, that. don't idealize it, but it is a good tale. You got it. It's a very good take on mythology as well. Um, I did question on if Madeline Miller was queer or not, because I, like, wonder. But she was at least, like, a mythology major, basically. Like, she she looked into mythology a lot. Well, couldn't find anywhere on the internet if she was gay or not. She looks a little queer. Not that there's a look for being queer, but, you know. My radar is beeping. My radar beeped, but, like, that's not to say 100% she is. But, you know, I think that there were parts she could have done a little better. Like, they talked a lot in the beginning about, like, Pat's mom and Pat being, like, simple and stupid. And it was kind of ableist, especially since it had, like, no place in the story for the rest of the story. But that ending made me cry. It made me cry. Honestly, it doesn't take much to make you cry, though. I do. I mean, okay, I've only... I was trying to count how many books I've cried at in the past year, and I was like, it's not that many, and I started counting, and I was like, I'm just not going to say anything. It's a lot. Okay, it, it's like at least a handful, but I don't think it's more than two handfuls, and I I mean, I've read like That's 45 books, so if only like an eighth made me cry, 
Did you cry whenever in uh, Cersei they bring up how Achilles had always regretted his decision? I actually did not. I did not cry in Cersei. Which is funny because it was my favorite of the two, but I didn't cry. It wasn't as sappy. I wasn't yeah, it wasn't a tearjerker, really. Right. It wasn't a tearjerker, really. Definitely. So, is it time for Sesh Fuck Kill? Yes, if you are new here, this is our segment, like, Mary Fuck Kill, where we pick who we would sesh with, who we would fuck, and who we would kill from this book. So, I have to say I would sesh with Chiron because, I don't know, his crystal cave, like, and I could just see him pulling out, like, a crystal ashtray and it's just sitting by that, like, river and just having such a philosophical conversation. Totally. And he has so much rich history. He knows so many cool people at this point in mythology because he's trained, like, a bunch of really cool people, right? Right, yeah. He's the trainer. And he's, like, a poet or something. Like, he's just, he's cool. Right. And so I would definitely sesh with him. That's a good pick. That's a very good pick. Thanks. I would also fuck Hector because, uh, that big burly. <laughs> Let's just think of that. Oof. That's, mwah, chef's kiss. Who are you killing? Why are you killing a Magwon? Because, uh, rapists? Oh, that's a good pick, too. Yeah. Whenever I was thinking about it, I was like, you know who's the second best philosopher? Who? Pat. You're right. I would want to smoke with Pat. What a gentle, just caring individual. He'd make sure you had water. He really would. That is absolutely the best description. I always go for, like, a cunning, confident guy. So Odysseus is who I'm gonna fuck. He was so cunning. He didn't just how to like work things so the Achilles would reveal himself whenever he came to get him on the island for the draft. <laughs> yeah. We'll get that, but um... And then I feel like somebody should have killed Helen long ago. She kind of seems like she definitely ran away for the dick and then everybody had to die because of it. And while I respect it, <laughs> I was involved in this narrative and I didn't want to experience it. Yeah, but if Helen hadn't run away for the dick, then we wouldn't have the story. It might have been a happier story. <laughs> It was a good story, but it was not a happy story. That's true. And can we talk about queer characters never getting a happy ending? I mean, I guess they kind of got a happy ending where they got to live forever together. Their souls are intermingling. But they both died. Tragic and horrific deaths. Right, right. One betrayed the other previous to their death, basically. That's true. Well, maybe they just made the ultimate sacrifice for each other. And you're not sappy? Okay. Okay. Moving on. What do you rate this book? What do you rate this book? Um, five out of five. I loved this book. I will read it for eternity. I love it so much. I feel like it is such a good story. It wasn't a happy ending, but I still appreciated the ending. I enjoyed that. And I liked the little flash that it does in the next book. of like, Achilles wants to make a different decision. He knows better in the afterlife and stuff. I like that reflection. I like the interconnectedness a lot, for sure. She does a good job with that. I give this book a four out of five. I thought it was really good. I thought there were some areas that it could improve. It made me cry. Almost got five out of five stars because it made me cry. But yeah, four out of five. So moving on to Circe. Do I need to light up another joint? Ooh, maybe. Times. Well, I, I think I'm going to wait just a few minutes, but I smoked a whole joint on the last one. So I feel like I should try and smoke a whole joint during this one. 
Wow, interesting. It lasted like halfway through, just like pounding the drum. Didn't you take a space god before this? I did also take an out. And yes, I'm performing on TV tonight. I stand by my choices. I stand by my choices. That is so funny. Okay, so Cersei, beautiful book. Again, we chose this because of the prose. I had already previously read it and then recommended it to Maggie before we had decided to do a podcast. So we put it in the first season because it was such a good one to talk about. And it's blowing up on book talk. It really is. Rightly so, though. I mean, I literally just sent Savannah last night a TikTok that was about, like, what lyrics Cersei would be. And I felt like it was really accurate. The, The kiddos on TikTok do make some good content. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. I was trying to talk about, like, I was telling Grant, I was like, yeah, we could totally clean our vacuum. And he was like, what do you mean clean our vacuum? Like, I was like, we can wash it. He was like, we cannot wash our vacuum. Where did you hear that? And I was like, I saw a video on TikTok. And he was like, oh, you saw it on TikTok. And I was like, and you saw it on YouTube. Good one. Got it. Got him. Boom, he roasted. I looked up the video on TikTok. And he was like, actually, that's really cool. And then he looked up a video on YouTube of the same thing. And I was like, see, he told you. I literally see. I literally told you. So anyway, that's the kids on TikTok sometimes make some good content. How do we'll sigh? And I digress. on TikTok. Follow us on TikTok at bait.and.bookish. Gotta put that plug in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mackie's in control of all of our uh, social media content. So you see my face very rarely. I don't have any of the equipment or anything like that. So, I mean, I also have experience and like that's part of my degree and things like that. That's true. And you're extremely talented. Savannah is my Ann Perkins, if you've seen Parks and Rec. <laughs> the Ann Perkins. You're definitely Leslie Nope, for sure. I, I for sure. But not to talk about TV shows on our book podcast. Right, right. right. Okay, back in the Cersei. Okay, so we start this story off with gods, like the the big old gods, particularly Helios. He is like the god of fire, basically, or something. He's like the god of the sun. So he like drives his chariot across the sky every day. I don't know. I just enjoyed that imagery in the book. And Cersei's mom, who I don't know her name. I don't remember. She's such a bitch. I don't think that we need to shout her out. (laughs) (laughs) just something she is a whole work in progress so she the mom tricked helios into having a baby with her and marrying her and so circe is born and she doesn't really have like the appearance or the voice of a god she's like really bird-like almost they describe her like she's got very uh-huh, and very yellow eyes instead of the gold. And she's kind of, like, rejected by all the other gods and, like, teased, even by, like, her siblings. So she has two siblings at this point, um, a brother and a sister, and they just kind of, like, go and hang out together and kind of leave her to her own devices. For sure. And that's, like, a recurring theme of the book, just her being alone and not understood, which I relate to. Sometimes I feel like that. You don't ever feel like that? No, I feel like that constantly. I was like, oh no, <laughs> bitch. I read a whole book about it. I mean, the one. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. 
Oh my gosh. So then she's like wandering around. She grows really fast. So people don't have to bother with her for very long. Uh, once she's grown enough to like feed herself, they're like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. It's very weak sauce parenting. Oh, that weak sauce. That weak sauce. We should sell it by the bottle. <laughs> So while she's like going through this like really lonely period and stuff, they bring in a prisoner to punish and his name is Prometheus. And he basically like taught the humans how to use fire. And he's being punished by Zeus for giving humans something. And he's like getting pecked with like a bird, like his kidney or his liver and his eyeball or something. Yeah, like every day he has that. And then he heals himself because he has eternal life. It's really horrifying and gruesome. So they are basically torturing this guy, like, in front of everybody. And everybody watches for a little while. Then, like, it's kind of like a game. They're like, woo And then they all get bored. Because you can get bored of looking at carnage. Right. So he's being, like, whipped in the hall as they're about to take him to go to this cliff, I think, right? Yeah. And um, Cersei is, like, peeking in and is, like, very interested and, like, brings him a cup of wine and, like, is talking with him about the humans. And this kind of starts her desire to be involved with humans like there's some kind of curiosity there she wonders about prometheus and his tie with the humans because she's never seen them yeah but she soon forgets about that i mean she's young and forgetful and her brother is born you say his name you wrote down the pronunciation oh my god how no i threw myself into a bookshelf guy Super casual. So Ayates is her brother and he's born and they become really close for a while. And she's like, oh, yes, I finally have somebody. And then he's sent away and he kind of doesn't even say goodbye. Kind of an asshole to her. Yeah, she has to go. And he's like, absolutely not. He's like, I've been on from you weirdo. And he's, he's kind of really an asshole to her at this point. He's very much an asshole. And so she is, you know, alone again. And her sister ends up getting given away for marriage. So she goes and she goes to see her marry Minos. And at the wedding, she sees humans. And she's like, man, I'm lonely. And I've been thinking about humans for like, probably like a century at this point. Like a long ass time. Long ass time. She's like, I'm really curious about these people. They're weird. They're really ugly and fragile looking. But I'm curious. But I want to know about them because obviously gods are not the move for Cersei. Not going well. No. The track record is not there. Exactly. So she's kind of seeking some companionship, you know. I mean, obviously, wouldn't you be if you lived it alone for like your whole endless life? That kind of sucks. So she falls in love as she's staring out into the sea wistfully i assume and sees a little fisherman's boat and she goes over there right doesn't she like swim up to the boat sure she swims up to the boat and like just jumps in and you're like bitch slow down but this dude glaucus 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 he um is a fisherman my god (laughs) my god there they go (laughs) 
And uh, she falls in love with him. They spend a lot of time on his boat together fishing. He comes into bad times, isn't catching enough fish. His father's abusing him um, because he's not providing enough for the family. So Cersei begs and begs and gets some divine help from one of her relatives to give him the gift of being able to catch a lot of fish. So now he's rolling in fish, right? But it's still not enough. He's so tired, but he's run down and she realizes that he is immortal and is not going to live forever. She's not going to have him for that long. So she decides to figure out a plan to make him a god. And so she goes to her relative and they're like, hell no. Do you know how many bitches come in here asking for me to make their men eternal? Absolutely not. Get out of my face. <laughs> Which is fair. Totally. I mean, and and it's fair because they've warned her at this point. And I mean, I don't think all men are like this, but like a lot of them are. Majority of them are. This goddess is like, bro, or one of the gods, like, bro, if you give these people everything that they want, like these mortals, they're going to stop thanking you and they're going to leave you and they're not going to love you. They're just going to like take everything that you give them for granted. And she doesn't listen. Not he does not listen. Of course not. And we've got a witch bitch on our hands. He didn't know it yet, really. So we got a witch bitch. And so she goes and she finds these like forbidden flowers. And they have like this power in them to maybe like, you know, make someone what their true selves are and or to make them a god. Right. And so she brews this tea, gives it to her man. And he becomes a god. He becomes even more of an asshole, if that was possible. Because his true self is him being an asshole. Right. And so he starts flirting with all the pretty nymphs. Because again, like, she's not considered as pretty as all of the other god and goddesses and, like, kids and everybody. Which I think is just bullshit. Like, I think that's, like, not true. But totally. Men are weak sauce. Yeah, so he falls in love with her cousin, I think it is, named Sillo. And um, obviously Cersei is fucking pissed. She's like, I gave you eternity and I gave you all my love. I did all that I could and now you're just going to pick my cousin over me? Hell no, bitch. She stomps out and gets some more of those flowers that reveal your true self. And she gives them to Scylla and um, turns her into a, I don't know how many heads, but multi-headed monster. Yeah, it's like honestly pretty raunchy, pretty gross. And I need a hit because I'm not sure if uh, Scylla's body now is grosser or Guacos' personality. And that's a trio, so I'm going to spark one. So then Cersei confesses. She's like, I did something wrong, Dad. I feel bad. Yeah, because everybody's looking for Scylla. Like, what the hell? And she's like, I did this to Scylla. And he's like, I don't believe you. Those flowers don't do anything. What the hell are you talking about? That's just an old legend. Well, he doesn't even believe she's a witch. Right. He's like, you have no powers, anything like this. But then her brother and sister come along. Right. And then they are saying that they will have powers. Maybe not to the extent that Cersei has powers, but they have powers. They got powers. So now he's forced to say, yes, my daughter did this. And so they decide as like, I don't even know. What is it? Like a court of the gods that decides... And they send her into exile on this island. What's the name of the island? Uh, Aiea. 
which how pretty it's gorgeous both in how it is spoken and spelled and in the actual island it's like this like lush gorgeous sprawling island right and she shows up thinking am i gonna have any shelter am i gonna have any food thank god she at least has a house that cleans itself fills itself with food at least it's like the nicest house ever She's like, this is kind of dope. And she figures out that she's already been alone, but just being annoyed by other people, even in her loneliness. So now she's just alone, alone, and she gets to enjoy her peace. So she starts really liking the island. She's really into the solitary witch life. So she's going around. She's figuring out how to use her powers, how to harness herbs. She's getting to know the plant. She literally makes a lion to be her companion. Her little mountain lion. I loved that. So cute. And then she has her first visitor, which was Hermes. Oh, God. Hermes is such a fuckboy. For sure. Like, he comes over, they become lovers, but he's also, like, an asshole, so they are not friends at all. They both have disdain for each other, but they're just fucking. He just brings her the gossip and the dick. Which, you know, there's some seasons of your life where that's appropriate. Absolutely. No hate, honestly. No hate at all. I I live for it. I mean, she doesn't have a vibrator or anything on the island that I'm aware of, so gotta get it somewhere. You got to, you got to. Do you remember, did you ever read um, Where the Cronads Sing? No, I haven't. My Nana wants me to read it, but that's kind of why I haven't. At some point, she lays in the waves and orgasms. No lie, she lays down on the beach and is brought to orgasm by the sea. Bullshit. Uh, that's what I said. I, I was like, absolutely not. If a man can't find the clit, how is a wave supposed to? I know. Oh, anyway, I mean, I guess maybe that's what Circe did when Hermes was away. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe it works. Who knows? She's got powers. She could maybe do something. Yeah. But anyway, Hermes and her are really friends, but whatever. She's visited by this new hottie, Daedalus. (laughs) Yeah. Daedalus. This new hottie Daedalus comes on and he's like, your sister is giving birth to a monster and I need your help. Well, they don't even know. He won't even tell her until she gets there. And then Cersei is like, what in the actual fuck is happening? They're like, your sister threatened me to you. And she's like, what the hell could this be about? My sister's a fucking bitch and hates me. Why the hell would she be contacting me at all? And it's because she needs a doula, um, a midwife. And needs a powerful witch one because her baby is a minotaur is the minotaur that was such a cringe part of the book honestly and at the same like time daedalus is like building the like maze that contains the minotaur totally yes and even before that this is whenever they encounter Scylla again because they need to go as fast as possible so they have to go through the strait where Scylla is in waiting so she's uh, got a bunch of heads. She's a horrible monster. Well, yeah, she eats like half their men, doesn't she? Yeah, she eats half the men as they go past. And Cersei is like, I wonder why she's being such a vengeful bitch. I mean, I guess you're a monster or whatever, but calm down. So she goes out there. She's feeling kind of guilty, but she knows that she has to try to protect these humans because she always tries to protect the humans. 
fragile humans and um she has like a potion that helps her transform into somebody else so she transforms into her brother who Scylla had a crush on exactly and manages to get by Scylla by like learning yeah but it was like it turned out that she wasn't even human on the inside anymore she had gone full monster and was just confused so that's the only reason that they passed by so Cersei is like well there's no hope for Scylla I don't think I can turn her back now because she's obviously too far gone I'm gonna have to figure out something else to stop this madness it is intense very very intense like just lost it and so has her sister <laughs> yeah oh but her sister like sleeps with a monster yeah have a monster baby yeah yeah it was it was a weird choice weird choice but remember she's chasing fame and this is one thing that will cement her name in history so she contacts her hated sister to deliver her minotaur baby which eats half of cersei's hand that has to grow back over the next like chapter or so and I really feel like Cersei had a massive crush on Daedalus. They never really hooked up like Cersei does with all of the other men in this book. Right. Well, I think they had a brief affair, didn't they? Oh, did they? Thank God. I think it was a very brief affair. And then he sends her home with the He's like a, a master woodsman, like woodcrafter. I don't know what you call people who work with wood. Woodworkers. Woodworkers. He's a master woodworker. And so he sends her home with this, like, beautiful, ornate loom. And she goes home, and doesn't she lose, like, the other half the men, like, on the way home? I forget. I think they went a different way, maybe, or something like that. I don't think they pass Scylla again, though. Because now she's not in so much of a rush. They can just, like, go around. That's true. So she goes home, and for the first time, some humans wash up on her shore. And these humans are, like, running from her brother, Aetes. Aetes. And they're running because they stole stuff, and they're lovers, and Circe's all bitter, and gives some grave warning about how love is fickle, but nonetheless gives her magic to these humans. And they tell her that her brother hunting people for sport. The one that she loves, like the brother she's close with, or was close with at one point, is like just hunting people for fun. So kind of all her siblings are have turned out to be like evil people. And so she's just like really anti-gods at this point because she's like living this long makes you a horrible person. Yeah. And she's enjoying her solitude out on this island again. She's like, leave me here. And so of course they're not going to do that. <laughs> no, 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 no. They can't just let her have peace. Obviously not. They decide that it's the perfect place to start sending their troublesome nymphs. Their troublesome nymphs get sent from by all the gods to Circe's island and to serve time yeah and it's just she just doesn't want them there she wants to be alone to enjoy her solitude to not be around gods especially like she'd rather be around humans if she's got to be around anyone right and so it's just like really not fun but the nymphs aren't the only ones that show up who else shows up uh we got a bunch of like sailors wash up on the shore and they come up to her house and she's like this does not look like it's going to end well for me. And so she's like pretty on her toes the whole time. Yeah. But they still almost get the better of her. Yeah, I think that she is like serving them dinner and wine. And then one of them comes over and rapes her. Yeah. And they are taking full advantage of her. So she's like, this is never going to happen to me again. 
So she just starts, she kills all those men. And then she starts turning the men that show up on her shore into pigs and killing them. Yes. She feeds them like wine with like magical herbs in it and then waits until they've ingested it. And as soon as they make their moves to do something terrible, she like says a certain word and they all turn into pigs that she then harvests and eats. Can I say how much I love this? It's so good. It's so good. Like. Just ridding the world of, like, rapists. Oh, I don't know. I love it. It's it's super badass. It's great. I love it. But then she kind of makes a mistake because one day these guys roll up on her shore. She turns them all in pigs. She doesn't even really wait for this group to, like, she's, like, long since, she's, like, all men are the same. And so she's long since stopped even, like, waiting for people to, like, make a move. She just turns them into pigs. And so she does this with this group of sailors. And then their captain rolls up. Which is hot guy of this year. Savannah's man's from the last book. Yeah, he is a general in the war with Song of Achilles. Yes, definitely. And so he's like, hey, ma'am, where are my sailors? look like them pigs back there because he's smart he's got it like all figured out yes he's got it all figured out and he starts charming her and then eventually they kind of have a reluctant friendship and then it turns into lovers and she has to turn his pigs back and they enjoy each other's company and they like to talk about things and he like fixes up different parts of her uh house and just her garden and builds her different things And they fuck, but he's got a wife. He's got a wife at home, so he can't stay long. He's just kind of like waiting for the rough season to pass. Exactly. But then he's tacking on time. You know, like, here, if that's okay with you. He's like, that pussy's so bomb. I need to stay one more season before I say goodbye to it forever. If I was his wife, I would be pissed, but she's not really that pissed. We'll find out later. Yeah, it turns out their connection has been tainted by his relationship with a god, Athena. Odysseus eventually is, like, called off to go. He cannot put it off any longer. He gets this prophecy that he has to go somewhere and see something before he finally goes home. They fuck one last time, and Cersei doesn't take her moon herbs. They keep her from getting pregnant, and she's like, damn, god baby. Yes, and she is so hype. She's ready, and then it hits her that her baby is going to be human, which means that it will not be able to live forever. There's a chance of death now. It's not immortal. But when it's born, that fear is very much realized. Because all these weird accidents start happening. Like knives falling near the baby and just weird things. And she finds out that the goddess Athena really wants her baby dead. But Athena can't really directly act against her baby the fates kind of not allowed it's kind of got to go all these like random routes for that and so Cersei does what any good mom would do and she locks her island down with magic totally and she's constantly having to watch him because he could die at any point just having an accident you know she's stressed she is very stressed these are hard times for her and she's like man damn I thought having a baby was easy (laughs) which yeah exactly um maybe if you're a god having a god baby that grows up in like two days oh it is easy but it's all how your parents did so maybe you should not think it's that easy right exactly so it turns out as he's growing up 
that Hermes has been coming and hanging out with him and has convinced him to like go and see his dad and go and visit the humans because some sailors are washing up and he's really enjoying interacting with humans and he wants to go meet his father and set sail so Hermes helps him build a boat. Which I don't think it's like wrong of, of him to want to do those things. But at the same time, I do think it's wrong of Hermes to, like, do what he does. Oh, totally. He's just being an asshole. The kid isn't. He's just being an asshole because he likes to cause drama. And this it would be big drama for him. He loves to have scoop. He's like Perez Hilton, honestly. <laughs> that's, all, that's true. <laughs> that's true. So anyway, uh, I'll bring the news. True. It's not really news. That's very true. So... She's Cersei is talking with her son Telelongus. Is that his name? Yeah, something like that. Interesting. Telelongus. Oh my. Ooh, scandalous. <laughs> so Cersei is like, How am I going to protect my baby boy if he wants to go and do this? I don't want him to do this, but he's obviously going to try and try or be eternally unhappy here. So she decides to go and visit a sea god, Trigon. Try and try, she might. She goes to Trigon. That's right, for his spike. At the end of his tail, he has this spike that's filled with, like, a fluid or venom that's gonna, like, sting forever. Poisons gods, like, immediately to death. Yeah, so it's gonna torture her forever with pain if she touches it. But she still goes. And he normally, like, forces. He's like, if you want to borrow this, you've got to take my pain. And you've got to, like, endure the pain, and then I'll let you have it. And so he's like, he decides to just let her go without the pain. He's like, your mission is just. Your mission is good. And so he just gives it to her. And she was going to put up with, like, endless pain for the rest of her eternal life for her son. He's like, here, borrow it. I could see you were about to, and, uh... That's enough for me. That's enough. So she gives a spike to her son, who goes to find his dad. And let's talk about the prophecy really quick. Totally. This, this is why Athena is, like, absolutely kill that baby. So Athena, when baby was born, was like, kill your baby, you're gonna regret it if you don't. He's like, there's no way I can regret it. And Athena's like, I've heard a prophecy that tells me you won't regret it. Or she won't tell her the prophecy. Well... Prophecy is that when Telelongus shows up at Odysseus's place, Odysseus has kind of lost his mind with all the war with Athena right. and just like all the people on his island, his like kingdom kind of are turned against him from all the time he was at Circe's. And he's just kind of like lost his mind. So when Telelongus pulls up, he's like, you're an enemy, I'll kill you. And he runs up and he starts attacking him. And Telelongus doesn't even do anything. He's just like standing there. He's like, I'm not going to attack you back. Like, I'm just going to chill. But of course, he's got that nice poisonous spike on his back, which Odysseus just barely scratches himself with and dies. Yeah. So now they're on the run. Oh, shit. From Athena, from everybody, because Athena loved Odysseus. Right, and all of Odysseus's guard is like, what the hell? So there's a whole bunch of shit going down, and it turns out that Penelope, his wife, Odysseus's wife, and their son, what is his name, Telemascus? Yeah, Telemascus. So Odysseus fucks Circe, but he's married to Penelope, and him and Penelope have Telemascus, but him and Circe have Telelongus. Right. So, Telelongus kid, Circe's kid, is like, I'm going to come back to, to my mom, and I'm also going to bring my dad's wife. Yeah. And my half-brother. 
And Cersei's like, absolutely, what the fuck? You just killed their husband and dad, respectively. And your own dad and my lover, like, a whole bunch of shit. Like, what? Yeah, why are you breaking them? They want revenge. That's why they're here. That's what Cersei thinks. But she's wrong. She's so wrong. Really, Penelope was, like, is super in danger back on the island and just wanted to get away. Yeah. And just didn't want to be dealing with all of that political drama. And she's hiding her son from Athena now because it turns out that um, Athena is coming to find a replacement for her Odysseus. She is seeking retribution. She needs Odysseus's son with Penelope. She actually shows up at the island and Hermes makes them take the words down, take the spells down that protect the island and talk to Athena. Right, which is intense. Cersei's like, I don't want to fucking do this, but okay. <laughs> She does it. Yeah. And Athena is like, Telemascus, Odysseus's child, you gotta come with me. But he's like, I don't wanna. I don't like war. I really don't wanna. And Telemachus is like, I don't mind war. I wanna see the world. Go with you, Athena. And Cersei is like, no. Right. But she knows that he will be unhappy if he stays. So she allows him to go. And it's the prophecy. It's what was meant to happen, you know? Definitely. So, kind of awkwardly falls in love with her son's brother slash her lover's son. Yeah. Telemascus. Which, he is my favorite man out of all of them. But it is so weird that she falls in love with her lover's son. Yeah, her world is so small. There wasn't a whole lot of options, so it was kind of... But her son's half-brother. I know, I know, it is fucked for sure, for sure. So she's concocting a plan because her and her lover are having a good time. She's enjoying her time on the island, but she is like plagued by knowing that he is going to die someday. And she's kind of tired of living. She's realizing that like, what does life matter if it's endless? Right, exactly. Like, like what's the value in time spent on Earth if you have endless time? Totally. So she starts concocting a plan. She needs to tie up loose ends first. So she first needs to get her exile dealt with. She cannot have her exile before she starts this journey. So she gets an audience with Zeus. And she's like, Zeus, I know all your dirty little secrets. And I know all your courts, dirty little secrets, because I've been fucking Hermes for centuries. Right. So she's like, I will start a war if you don't let me out of my exile. And so he does, because he's smart. Right. And so she and, well, she is going to deal with some loose ends. And um, her lover, of course, gallantly offers to go with her. So that's great. And then they leave behind her mother, who has now become the witch of Aiea. She's on her loom. She's working with herbs. She's found her magic. Which she's on Circe's original man. Not original man's, but her second man's loom. So I just, her world is so small and weird. Like, it's just... It is very weird. You never defer to anything from any of her exes. That's what happens whenever you only know a handful of people for eternity. That's true. <laughs> It just continues on. So she takes off in the boat. They leave Penelope behind. She's with her lover. She's going to see Scylla and deal with the monster that she's created, literally. She's figured out that she cannot save her. So she puts some of the venom of the spine in there, right? And turns Scylla to stone before returning. Does she return to the spine? 
I can't even remember. Eventually, she just drops it in the ocean. And it goes back. It goes back to him. Well, that's... But she keeps it for a lot longer than she's supposed to, really. Right. And she's like, I'm surprised this bro will come up. Definitely. So she's tied up her loose end. She's like, okay, I've turned the monster to stone. I can't hurt anybody anymore. So we're gonna go back to where I found the flowers the first time. The ones that turned uh, Glaucus. Is that his name? Glaucus. Glaucus into a god and see if i can reverse my immortality to be with you and live a human life so she goes to this little area to collect these flowers and she tells telemascus everything she's done all of the bad all of the good all the people she slept with everything and she shares secrets with him she never shared with any of her other lovers like even odysseus then she drinks the tea once he says he still wants to be with her. And the ending is unclear. And like literally if you read a summary of this book, every single summary will tell you a different ending. All slightly different. But it it leaves it very open-ended and vague. And I think it's a beautiful ending. I like it that way the best. Yeah. Yeah. She just kind of like fades. And and one one summary said that she kind of like has a vision of the future. I don't really remember that vision per se. But basically the idea is either she's just going to like fade into death right then. Or like she gets to grow old with Telemascus and then die. But the gist is she like gives up immortality. Right. So, which one do you think? Which one do I think what? Do you think Do you think she walks off with her lover or she crumbles into dust? Oh, I want to believe she walks off with her lover and turns into an old person eventually. Me too. Me too. I want to believe it, so I'm gonna. <laughs> I'd choose glass half full. I agree. And, and so there's no, like, singular climax. Like, that ending is so mellow and chill, and there's no, like, big war... Like, even, like, the the talk with Zeus or, like, I guess you could say, like, the main climax is, like, Odysseus's death area. But even then, it's got, like, seven points. Like, I don't know. It's it's very loosely structured of a book. And I think that's what happens when you tell someone's life from beginning to end. There's no true climax of our life, especially when it's, like, an eternal life. That's so true. So I don't think it took away from the book at all, but I do think it's interesting to read a book without really, like, a climax. Yeah, definitely. It's like the pacing is kind of different than other books because it follows a whole life. And I enjoyed that about it, but it can be something that's kind of a little different than the usual. Yeah, it was. It was. But I thought it was very refreshing. And the prose was just like gorgeous the whole time. The descriptions, characters. I thought Madeline Miller did a great job with this one. So who would you such fucking kill on this one, Savannah? Oof. So Penelope on her loo just seems like such a chill person to talk to. She's ready to talk about witchcraft. She's ready to talk about the hard stuff. I love that. I think that she's kind of funny. Her and Cersei get a real good rapport going, which I enjoyed. She's a strong female character. I would definitely want to sesh with her. But there's something about feral woman Cersei that I'm like, oh my god. You are definitely who I'm picking to fuck. You know? Like, yeah. What a hottie. And then I'm going to kill her sister that decided to make a disgusting minotaur just for the hell of it, just because she wanted to... Um... Bestiality for power? That's gross. What? Yes, exactly. Bestiality for any reason. But... So get it out of here. Uh, I'm killing her. Yeah, I like it. I like it. 
Well, I also have Cersei on my list, but I would sesh with her. You're not fucking her? No. I know. What a surprise. I'm actually fucking a man. I'm fucking her, man. I'm fucking telemaster. But I, I was going to say, I think that Cersei and Penelope and you and me would be like a really good circle. I think we always like pick really good like quad meshes. What you know? What that is so true. And then your lover could be at the sesh. Yes, definitely. But yeah, I'm stealing her man's, so you can have her because she's gonna be mansless. Because I'm fucking Telemascus, and then I'm killing Glaucos because I hate Ben. Yeah, yeah, he was a bitch. Yeah, he's just like he reminds me. I mean, like Hermes also is kind of a fuck boy, but like I don't know, she literally gave you everything. Right. Everything. Definitely. So. I think this book is fantastic. I think this book is better than Song of Achilles. Which book do you like better? I gotta say Cersei. I give them both five because I think that they're just like really beautiful to read and they're very complete. I felt very satisfied by the story. But this one just connected to me on a more emotional level, I feel like. I didn't cry during this one, but I felt much more invested in her story. I liked her character more. I didn't have like any problems with any part of the book. Literally, like, I'm like, oh, there's nothing. There's nothing I would have improved upon. So it's it's a five-star book, I think. Oh, five stars. I love to hear it. I'm glad. Yeah. So good suggestion, Savannah. Good suggestion. So I highly recommend you read this book if we didn't already tell you every single detail that was in the book. Yeah, I hope that maybe they read it beforehand. I mean, I think they probably did, or they probably don't want to. You know what? Yeah. Both are valid. Both are valid. I mean, like, not everybody's a reader, so yeah, that's true. I feel them. Um, maybe it'll be a movie one day for you guys, too. Although the book-to-movie adaptations are never good. What if it was a, like, limited series? I love me a limited series. Especially since it's, like, multiple in one world. Do you think she'll write another book in this world? I pray. I know that she just came out with a short story. But I don't know if it's in, like, the Greek canon or not. I'll have to look into that. We'll have to check it out. But until then, maybe we'll post it on our social media. Um, so until then, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at baked.and.bookish. You can find us there all the time. And you can DM us, shoot us any suggestions you have. What are we reading next week, Savannah? We are going into our nonfiction book, Bonk by Mary Roach. It is a book all about sex and science of sex, actually. But I'm going to have some hilarious stories next week, I think. So uh, definitely tune in. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be hilarious. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Maggie.Writes. And you can find my books and everything linked there as well. So thank you guys for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.